book of Genesis. If you'll forgive me this morning, once a month, Miss Rogers and I have the unbelievable privilege of speaking to our teens. If you want to stay young, get yourself around teens. Oh, boy. Sometimes I think, do I have enough energy to keep up with these youngsters? I mean this honestly. I don't, I don't open up a book or anything, not that there's anything wrong with that, to try to get the message we talked to them. I just talked to them from my heart about some issues. And, and the Lord laid on my heart this week about what to talk to them about. And the more that I studied it, the more I think that we as a church family, so I know you're not teenagers, some of you are, uh, but I think that the message that we had for the teens that God wants us all to hear it this morning. Take your Bible, Genesis 28. Stand with me, if you would, please. We're going to begin reading in verse number verse number 20. And we have three short verses. So instead of skipping verses, let's read them all together. Verse 20, 21, and 22 together, please. Genesis 28, verse number 20. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying... If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me and will keep... Uh, did I? What did I do? Let's go back. Verse number 20. Let's start this. You'll be old one day. You'll lose your mind. Don't make fun of pastor. I'm sorry. Let's try it again. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, If God be with me and will keep me in the way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I will come again to my father's house in peace. Then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone, which I have set for a pillar, shall be God's house. And for all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. It's as simple as it is. It's more of a Sunday evening message, really, this morning. I want to talk to you this morning about sacred vows. Sacred vows. Father, help us this morning. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, I thank you. Uh, for answered prayer this week. So many answers to prayer. Father, thank you for Royal coming to know you as Lord and Savior. And if you don't touch him, Father, he has a very short time here, this side of heaven. And I pray that uh, you would continue to use Brother Paul in his life. We pray, Father, that you would place in each and every one of our hearts a burden of somebody that you want us to witness to. Lord, I pray that you'd open that opportunity for us to be a witness. But, Lord, I pray for your help this morning. I pray you'd help us to understand what it means to vow a vow to God and what that means and how we ought to keep it. Lord, I pray for your help. And, Lord, I pray that you would move us to your purposes. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I could tell of a story of when thousands were fed, when he lifted the sick and he raised up the dead. I could sing of the others like the blind man to see, but I'd rather tell you what happened to me. I'm saved to the uttermost, I know that I am, I've been washed in the blood of the precious Lamb. 
through the Father, through the Son, through the Holy Ghost, I'm safe to the uttermost. Now you must be forgiven to make heaven your home. The good life you're living won't do it alone. So trust in the Savior, He'll save you today. And with blessed assurance, you too can say, I'm saved to the uttermost. I know that I am washed in the blood of the precious Lamb. Through the Father, through the Son, through the Holy Ghost, I'm safe to the uttermost. Say, I'm safe, say, I'm saved. My sins are all pardoned, my guilt is all gone. Say, I'm saved, say, I'm saved, I'm saved through the Father, saved through the Son, saved through the Holy Ghost, I'm saved to the uttermost, I'm saved to the This morning that we serve a God who delights in and demands our total surrender. Once we're saved, uh, if we serve God in the way that we are told and meant to serve God, it means total surrender of every area of our life. God will not be a moonlighting God on a part-time throne. At different times in our lives, you will feel this. I have felt this and feel this, that God impresses on our heart to make a holy vow unto Him. And I would, be, I would encourage you to make that vow to God. God is honored when we vow to Him, just like Jacob here. And I would say this to you this morning, God does not demand that we vow, but He is delighted and honored when we do vow. But He does hold that vow once it's made to him to be sacred. How sad in our culture today that nothing more is sacred. Life isn't sacred. No more. We have politicians, and I'm going to say this to you, whether you have a D by your name or an R by your name or an L by your name, the cause of Christ and purposes of Christ are first and foremost if we serve God, and our political strife should go away. We have those running for even the presidency in 2020 who think it's all right once a baby is born to let the baby die. Now, I'm going to say this to you, child of God. We'll answer to God by putting those people in office. Nothing sacred. Grandma and grandpa are not sacred anymore. 
Life is not sacred. We have at least eight states that I know of in the union that assisted suicide is fine. Marriage isn't sacred, is it? That vow that you make with, uh, with, with your spouse is no longer sacred. We live in a, in a culture and a time that not much is sacred. But I'm going to say this to you. Life is still sacred to God. Life is sacred to God. The marriage vow is sacred. And I understand when I mention that today that among us, that we have men or women that, that you got married and, and, and you made a sacred vow. And it wasn't you necessarily that broke that union and, and your heart breaks. But I'm saying this to you. I tell our young people, when you make that vow, you keep it. It's a sacred vow. Jacob is, on run, is running from his brother Esau. He's going to his uncle Laban's house. I want Brother Rogers to put a, put a, 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 you can't see this real good, but I'll try to point it out. When this is, if down here, now let me see, Brother Rogers, we got this. I don't have, this is not, I don't, okay, right down here, you can't see. If you've got a Bible, map in your Bible, down here is, is Beersheba. When we start in Genesis 28, this is where Jacob is. Now watch this, all the way up here is Haran, Pandanarum up there. And so God is calling Jacob to go all the way up to Haran up there. But he's going to stop. And let me see if I can see it on this map. I can't read it very well myself. Right here is where Jacob stops. He doesn't even make it halfway on his journey. He stops in Luz or Bethel. There that night. He tarries for the night, and he grabs a pillow. I was, when I was reading this this week, I thought about my wife's pillow. We're different. My pillow, I, this is, don't laugh at pastor. This is how I sleep. I don't know why. I'm a little bit odd. I put my head under the pillow, and I put the pillow over my head. So my pillow should not and could not be heavy. My wife's pillow, I don't know where she got it. It literally, in the morning, if I make the bed, I take my pillow and just, and Kathy's pillow, i got to have two arms to pick it up and put it over. Huh? Think, where did she get this pillow? Jacob's pillow was a couple of stones. So he stops in Bethel. Remember in the Old Testament time, God oftentimes spoke through dreams. God does not speak to us today in dreams. You say, but preacher, I think he does. He doesn't. Right? We have the complete revelation of God to man right here. He doesn't speak in dreams. But I had a dream that came true. I would ask you this. How many dreams have you had that didn't come true? Right? God doesn't speak to us in dreams, but he did in the Old Testament quite often. And so he did this night with Jacob. And I want you to go back, if you would, in Genesis 28. I want you to see in verse number 10, And Jacob went out from Beersheba, once again, that's way down at the bottom here. And he's going to go. His daddy's going to tell him, I want you to go up here. I want you to take a wife. I don't want you to marry a Canaanite. These are people that don't serve the God that we know and serve. I want you to go up to Haran. Your mother's brother is there. And I want you to take a wife uh, from that country. So, Jacob, look at verse number 10. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows. 
and he lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God descending, ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God, uh, uh, Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land wherein thou liest, to thee will I give it into thy seed. Is that a promise God made to Jacob? We don't have time to turn there this morning, but in, in uh, Genesis chapter 15, he made that same promise to Abraham. So now we're going to go three generations. We're going to go from Abraham to Isaac, Jacob's daddy, and to Jacob. And that promise is carried down. God's reiterating that promise now to Jacob. I want you to think of yourself this morning as being a Jacob. Watch what God promises him. And think about the promises that God makes to each and every one of us as his children. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. We should be concerned as Americans that in Minnesota, and I don't know, remember where one came from, New York and Minnesota, we have three female congressmen that literally hate Israel. They can't hide it, and we can't even we can't even uh, we can't even get the whole all of Congress to say this is not acceptable, because many of them too hate Israel. Now watch this, but the Bible says you think of Israel. That's the apple of God's eye. God blesses those who bless Israel, and He curses those who curse Israel, and this is part of that promise. Now watch this. So put yourself there in Bethel that night. Imagine you are Jacob. And imagine that God pronounced to you his blessings. For about six weeks now on Sunday morning, we've been talking about God's desire to bless you. We studied the Beatitudes. God wants to bless you. He wants to bless me. Now watch this in verse number, uh, verse number 15. And behold, I am with thee. And will keep thee in all the places whither thou goest. I ask you this this morning. Is that a promise as a child of God you think that God makes to you? Is Jesus with you now? Will he always be with you? Well, Hebrews 13, 5 said, I will never what? Leave thee nor? The promises he made to Jacob, many of those promises we can claim today. John Wesley is right when he said, in the will of God, I'm immortal. I read and studied the past couple of weeks about a man who's got a burden for the Muslim people. It is dangerous to carry the gospel to Muslim countries. In our church in Louisiana, we had a, our pastor's brother was a nuclear physicist. And he was sent to Saudi Arabia to build a nuclear reactor. And they said this. Don't bring Playboy, don't bring rock music, and don't bring a Bible. I don't care if you're a nuclear physicist working on that nuclear reactor. You bring a Bible into this country and you're going home. I've been listening to this man that talked about the dangers of carrying the gospel to Muslim people in Somalia. Look at this, if you would, please. And you look at this. But if the Lord is with you, and that's where God calls you, the safest place on earth 
for that missionary is in Somalia and not in Hawaii. Because this promise is made to you as a child of God and to me, I will be with you. I've told you last week and reiterated some of the scary times in my life. And we tried to tell those teenagers in the office just moments ago, young people, make these vows to God and keep those vows you make to God and God will keep his promise to you. Go further if you would, please. Look at this if you would. And the Bible says, and he was afraid. I'll back up to verse 16. And Jacob wake, wakened out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid. Now, I ask you this this morning. Is God here? Where two or more are gathered in my name, I am there. So just like that hillside in, in Bethel, God meets with us today, and he's drawn so many of you to his purposes. He wants some of us today to make some holy vows that we've been hesitant to make. Maybe your vow would be just like Brother Ehart's. Preacher, or, or Lord, I, I, I don't know. I've never shared my faith and never led somebody to Christ, but somebody's a, a burden on my heart. I make a vow to you, Father, that I'm going to try. That's a good vow. That's a good vow. Jacob's on run from his brother Esau to Laban's on the way he stops at Luz or Bethel. He has a dream. And through that dream, God speaks to him. Many believe that this is the time of Jacob's salvation. And I would say this to you. Matter of fact, leave a marker there and turn to Romans chapter number 4. What does it take to be saved? You know how encouraging it is to me as pastor, Romans chapter number 4, to look out here this morning and see many who have just recently trusted Christ as their Savior. It's good to see you, Brother Mark. Good to see you, Cassandra. Good to see you, Brother Brad. Good to see some of these folks that just got saved recently. Can I say this to you? We all get saved the same way. The gospel is presented to us, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we believe on Him. Is that how you got saved? Yeah. Look at Romans chapter 4 and look at verse number 3. Romans 4, 3. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. If you go back to Genesis chapter 28, the Bible talks about there that Jacob believed God. So this could be the time we believe that it might have been. Others would go to when God changed, when he wrestled with an angel or an old uh, uh, theophany, possibly an Old Testament appearance of Christ. When Jacob wrestled with him in a couple chapters forward, some say that's when he got saved. I believe that he got saved here in chapter 28. And he got saved the same way you and I get saved. Now follow me. If you know these verses, when I'm time to turn there, can I say this to you? If you're in this room this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, we're talking about vows or promises. God makes a promise to you. He that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Say it with me, the verses, if you know them. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. This is a promise, a holy vow of God. Thou shalt be saved. God makes you that promise. If you're in the room this morning and you've never been saved, you have a promise of God if you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, 
just like Brother Paul said, acknowledge your sin and your need for a Savior and turn to Jesus. He'll save you. Believe on Him. But I want to show you this. What is a vow? Mr. Webster says this. A vow is a solemn promise made to God. If Webster's right, and I studied that, well, I looked at Webster, and then I looked at, I read every verse in the Bible this week that had to do with a vow. And the scriptures, Mr. Webster nailed it. You see, here's what, we make promises to each other. And Brother Stephen, I talked to those teens about promises. And I said to them, has Brother Fine made you any promises? And Damien raised his hand. And I said, what is that, Damien? He promised he'd take me to Pizza Ranch. And he's never done it. You need to keep that promise. Right? We make promises to each other. Right? We make vows to God. A vow is sacred. Right? Sometimes we make promises. We mean to keep them. When we made them, we, we felt like we could keep them, but we don't. I ask you this. Have you ever, by faith, believed in the promise of God's forgiveness and claimed Christ as your Savior? If not, you can today. And just as we make vows or promises to God, so God makes, makes promises to us. I want you to look at this. We make promises to each other, but we make vows to God. Now, here's some of the things. I study and I read every place in the Scripture this week where somebody, whether it was Jephthah or Hannah or Samson or whoever it might be, if somebody vowed to God, I read their story. Let me make this promise to you. Whenever you vow to God, it becomes consecrated. We in Colorado are dealing with two very tragic things. If you travel between here and Colorado Springs, you can't see this, all of it's going on, but they're tearing up a landfill. What are they looking for? They're looking for a lady's body whose fiancé killed her, burned her body, put it in a suitcase, and put it in the trash. Months before that, a, a man that was married, that was having an affair, decided, you're in the way, my precious wife, and... Two beautiful little girls, and so I'm going to take their life. And listen, I'll say something to you. When that man, I don't know him, and I don't know his wife, but when they stood before God and before men and said, I do. It's holy, sacred. I'm going to say this to you, and I hope our young people pick up on this. When you walk that aisle, if you ever, if you ever get married, you understand that's a covenant vow you make to God and man. It's a sacred vow. Keep that vow. Keep it. And I understand when I say that, that we have some in here you meant and you tried, but, but, but your marriage, unbeknown, I mean, uh, not because you fell apart, and God understands that. I'm talking about our teenagers today, and I'm talking about our young people today. I want them to understand marriage isn't like trying on a pair of shoes. I just don't like this. I tease little Taven about her shoes. Every week she comes, I want to look at her shoes. She had some that lit up last week. Where were they, Brother Duncan, when we were kids? Those shoes that light up. And hers didn't just light up. I mean, they sparkled and moved. I don't know. They probably made breakfast for her. I don't know what they did. A solemn promise made to God. I want to ask you this. God is a God. I'm going to say this to you. God is a God who keeps his vows and promises to us. True? Somebody name me a promise of God. Real quick, a promise. Huh? 
Call, call unto me and I will answer thee. That's a prayer promise. Can we go to God? Miss Bliss, never leave us or forsake us. There's a promise. Give me another promise of God. I will not. Okay, right. Now watch this. We said this in teen run. Teenagers are different. Then one young lady raised her hand and said, he promised never to flood the earth again. I don't like water. <laughs> I ask you this this morning. Think of all the promises of God. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I'm going to come back to you. I'm going to save you. I'm going to secure you. I'm going to, I'm going to succor you. What promise of God can you let go of? If God came to you and said, you know what? I made you a promise and I... I, I just, I, I, I can't keep it. Which one are you going to give up? You don't give up any. You don't have to give any because God cannot lie. If he makes a promise or a vow to you, this God is going to keep it. If you come to him for salvation, he'll save you because he said he would. And his word says he would. And he'll forgive you. And he'll take you to heaven. Why do I know that? Because he said he would. Now think about this. God cannot lie. He vows to save us if we will turn from him, and I pray that you will. He vows to secure us once we're saved. John 10, 28 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and I, I one day will give unto them eternal life. Is that what it says? No, I give unto them eternal life. Here's the promise of God, and they shall never perish some of you are turning on a a preacher a teacher on the radio or television and they've got you convinced you're loot you can lose your salvation they are a liar That's right. That's right. the god of heaven made you a promise if you're once saved you will always be saved he'll keep you in his hand i like what billy sunday said he called the devil smutty face and he said when you got saved it's just like oh wow let me see it's just like you put your soul in the hand of Jesus Christ the Son and Jesus Christ the Son put his hand in God the Father and if the old devil could snatch your soul, he'd have to pry open the hand of an omnipotent God and he'd have to pry open the hand of a loving Savior and snatch your soul. And here's what Billy Sunday said. If he ever gets that close, he might get saved himself. <laughs> if you've ever been saved, the Word of God, the promise of God says... You will be saved for all of eternity. He makes a vow to us. He makes a promise to us. He'll save us. He'll secure us. Here's another promise. He promises to forgive you. 1 John 1, 9, say it with me if you would. If we confess our sin, this is, this is saved people. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to what? Cleanse us before I ever come to this pulpit each and every Sunday morning here on this floor right here. I do some business with God and say, God, look at my life this week. God, forgive me of the areas that I failed you and I wasn't right before you. God, make me clean, a clean vessel to be used. Do you know when you come to the Lord, if you're honest about your sin, he'll forgive you. So why are you letting Satan defeat you over past sins? Hey, raise your hand in here if you're saved. And since you've been saved, who's the newest Christian? Brother Mark, I think. No? No, maybe Cassandra, your son. But since you've been saved, if you've lived a spotless, perfect life, would you raise your hand, please? Oh, really? So what are you going to do with that sin? Just confess it. Why? He made a vow, a promise, he'll forgive you. 
and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That doesn't mean that if you wrong somebody, I say this to you, don't ever confess your sins to a man. Amen. Never. That doesn't mean if you've wronged somebody, God does expect us to make that right in private. There's therefore now, what does the Bible say? One mediator between God and man. Who is it? The man, Christ Jesus. He not only promised to save us and secure us and to forgive us, he promises to meet our every need. Look at Matthew 6, would you? Look at Matthew 6. Can I, I'm going to bust, I don't want to bust your bubble, but I'm going to bust your bubble. Matthew 6. We put too much faith in the stock market. Anybody learn in 2008? We had a lady in the church that lost a quarter of a million dollars in one day. You better not put your faith in the stock market. Where do I put my faith? Look at Matthew 6. Here's a wonderful passage. We can't read it all. It's a wonderful passage. But he talks about, Jesus Christ talks about what he will do for his disciples. As he teaches them to pray in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 1 through verse number 23. Look at verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon, material possessions, money. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat. What do your covers look like this morning? You know, it wouldn't surprise me if somebody in our auditorium this morning, your cupboards are bare. And your bank account or your checkbook, and if you, I know somebody said, you youngsters don't use checks anymore, do you? You swipe. Everything's swiped. Pay for things on your phone. There's no money there to buy groceries. Can I say this to you? If you, God made a promise. Is this his promise? I'll take care of you. Preacher, you don't know what that's like. Oh, I do. As associate pastor, I remember going to our first stop in ministry. The pastor was not an honest man. He promised us what our salary would be, and I remember we just didn't get it. We couldn't go to the church and say, you know what? We're kind of hungry. We don't have a paycheck. It was a good time for Miss Rogers and I to learn to trust God. That's a good verse. And together as a new couple, newlywed couple, we said, Lord, you promised us that you'd feed us. Lord, would you send? I remember this. It was a night service we had. I don't remember if it was Sunday night or Wednesday night. We lived in a mobile home on the property and had a little porch. And we went there after church, and that porch was full of bags of groceries. You know, that's better than swiping your credit card at King Supers. God sent those groceries. And can I tell you this? God doesn't love me anymore than he loves you. And you can go to the same God. Watch what he says here. Take no thought for what your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on, ladies. It matters to you, doesn't it? I'm thankful that you look pretty and you take care of yourself and you look nice when you come to the house of God. But watch this. Is not the life more than meat or the body than the raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor do they gather in the barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Now watch this. I remember this. I mean this honestly. In the early days of Josh's accident, I found a little place every day that the Lord and I could meet. Antelope Valley Hospital, Lancaster, California. 
a little area off the coffee shop. I don't know why somebody didn't go there. It just seemed like each and every day I was there. It was just, just me. Sometimes I get something to drink, and Lord, what are you doing today? What are you going to do? I remember one day the burden being especially heavy. We didn't understand what was going to go on that day. And there were two little sparrows that came and found their way to that little table. And the Lord reminded me of that verse. I'm taking care of them. I'm going to take care of your son. I'm going to take care of you and Miss Rogers. We must hurry. He promised to meet our every need so we could come to him. He's promised to, he, somebody said it this way, he's promised to meet greeds, not needs. I mean needs, not greeds. Oof, got self in trouble. Somebody about to go change that, that truck or car in, right? He's promised to come for us. Aren't you glad? He's promised to come. We're not stuck here. This whole world is getting dark. But watch this in John chapter 14. He said to his disciples, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, say it with me. I will. That's a promise of God, a vow to God. He's going to come again. And I believe it's imminent. It's soon. He has promised to come for us, so look for him. He's promised to empower him, so yield to him. And Brother Paul, I'm not trying to make much of you. Maybe what happened that day before you went and talked to Royal was this. The Royal didn't hear Paul Ehart. Royal heard God himself. You're just a messenger. You're just a pipeline. You're just a conduit. So God makes many vows to us. We don't have time to turn there. I want you to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. We must hurry. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. God honors those who make a vow to him. God honors those. Did God honor the vow that Samson made? Was he not mighty? Did he not kill God's enemies? Did God honor the vow that Samson made through the Nazarite vow? Did he honor the vow of Jephthah? Did he honor the vow of Hannah? Give me a man child, I'll give him back to you. God gave her that man child and little Samuel was born. And at the age of three, Hannah took little Samuel to Eli and said, There you go, he's all yours. God kept his promise. And Hannah kept her promise. I say this to you, that God honors those who make vows to him. God is calling some here today to enter into a new relationship with him through a vow. Maybe a vow to, that you would use your body in a different way. It's a child of God and you won't do as the world does. Maybe it's a vow this morning. God is calling some here to remember the vows that you've already made. I don't want to shock you or scare you, but I'm going to ask Brother Rogers to put a, a picture up on the screen. Some of you have seen this picture before. This man is dying. He was a professional welder. If you go across 4th Street Bridge and you look on your left-hand side, there's three big tanks there. He was... Welding with another man on the top of the largest tank. They forgot they were up there. A semi came in to unload a load of asphalt. They backed him up to that tank, hooked him up. 
As soon as he struck the ark, that tank blew up. Let me tell you about this man. He grew up in church just like you are today. Got saved when he was young age. God called him to preach. He didn't tell God, I won't do that. He just said, not now, God. I'm, later on, uh, after I have my fun and make my money, later on, God, I'll, I'll do that. And God warned him, and God warned him, and God warned him, and God warned him. Can I say this to you? God spanks his children when they don't obey. That man is my dad. You see, the firefighters there, we honored that firefighter. We found him out. He was honored in a service here 49 years to the day that my dad blew off that tank. If my dad were here today, matter of fact, many of you, he's told this to you. As he went to Parkview Medical Center, the attending doctor that night said this to the nurse, don't wash his face. He won't be here in the morning. And there on that hospital bed, my dad began to commune with God. And he said, Lord, I've run from you. I'm a Jonah. But Father... Little did we know that his spine was cracked and it was dripping spinal fluid. My dad said he could feel it. I don't know what anything that's like. He could feel the spinal fluid leaving. He said, Father, I've asked you to forgive me where I've sinned against you. I made a vow to you. I can't keep that vow now. But, Father, if you'll spare my life, I promise you I'll raise my kids to serve you. All I ask you, help me to rear my children. Keep me alive long enough I can rear my children. My dad wasn't a perfect man. He made some mistakes in life. But I'm going to promise you this. He kept that vow. Some of you have made a vow to God and you're thinking about moving away from it. Some of you young people have been to camp and God touched your heart and you made a vow and you have either already broken that vow or you make nothing of that vow. Can I tell you this? I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to say, no, Webster's right and the word of God is right. A promise we make to each other, but a vow is a sacred promise made to God and it becomes consecrated to him. When Samson cut his hair, that was a vow he made to God. The power of God left him. Preacher, what are you saying? God is calling some here to keep the vows you've made. The vow of Jacob at Bethel, he promised this, that God made some promises to, to, to Jacob. He said that he would be the carrier of the promised seed and the covenants, and certainly he is, from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. God makes those same promises to us today. As a child of God, John 3 and 1 John chapter number 2 and 1 chapter number 3. Uh, how much God loves us that we be called the what of God? The sons of God. Jacob is the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham that God made a promise to. So he made the promise of the seed. And then secondly, he made the promise of personal safety and blessing. Finish the verse if you know it. Does God make such a promise to us? The angel of the Lord encampeth around about those that fear him and what? Delivereth them. 
God promises to go with you. You say, preacher, this is kind of like Disneyland and, and Jack be nimble, Jack be quick. And this is kind of, no, 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 no. This is real life. When you get saved, there's a loving God that walks with you through. I don't know what it's like, Brother Wally, and I don't know the fears that Rebecca is facing right now. But I do know this. I know there's a God that's going to see you every step of the way. I don't know what it's like, Lucy, the last couple months of yours and Jim's life, but there's a loving God that has been to every hospital visit, every doctor's visit, every place they've gone. That's the God that we know and serve. The same promise he makes to Jacob, he makes to you and I today. The angel of the Lord will camp around those that, that fear him and he'll deliver them. And then he made a vow that he would bring him into the land again. Brother Rogers, back to that, back to that map. Now, what, again, we're going to show you this is where he is when God calls him. This is where he's supposed to go. He'll eventually end up there. This is where he is right here in Bethel. He eventually makes it up here. He's there 14, maybe 15 years. Remember, he was tricked by Uncle Laban. He worked seven years for Rachel. He got Leah, so then he worked another seven years, and he got, he got two wives. He worked 14 years. You say, Preacher, why do you have to work? Abraham was rich. Jacob didn't have anything. So he worked. That's how he paid for his wife or wives. But watch this. God made a promise to Jacob. He said, listen, if you go up here, I'm going to bring you back. Did Jacob ever go back to Bethel? Yes, he did. Bethel being the house of God or the place of God. For the Jew, he promised to bring him into the land again. For the, for the Jew, the promised land is a physical parcel of ground in Israel. In 1948, God began to bring his children home to the homeland. Jews that didn't even trust, uh, accept Christ as Messiah didn't know they were coming from the Ukraine and coming from Russia and coming from Germany and going back home. United Nations declared that, that parcel of ground to belong to Israel. God's calling his children home. But for us, we have a different part of ground. It's called heaven. For the child of God, our promised land is heaven. Just as Abraham uh, looked for a city whose builder and maker is God, so we as a child of God look for a heavenly city that the Lord said, I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare a place for you. Aren't you glad that one day heaven will be our eternal home? Here's the conclusion this morning. I want you to think of the place where God met Jacob. What's the name of that place? Bethel. Means the what? The house of God. It's where you are this morning. Jacob took those stones and he made an altar out of them and then he poured oil, a type of the Holy Spirit. This is a good church service. When God comes and meets with us and through the Spirit of God, he draws us to his purposes. For some of you, it's to be saved. For some of you, it's to remember the vows you've made to God. For some of you, it is to say, God, I'm going to vow to you. How about this vow? I'm going to be faithful to church. How about this vow? The, 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 the Bible says there he promised to give him a tenth. Give back to God what belonged to him. Remember when church meant something to you, when you longed to come. Some here this morning need to return back to Bethel. Go back to that place in time when God moved on your heart. What about the vow or vows you've made to God? Have you kept them? 
Today, God is calling some into a new relationship. What is a promise? Something we make between you and I. What is a vow? A sacred promise made to God. Ecclesiastes, I told you to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. He says it's better to vow, not to vow a vow than to vow a vow and not keep it. I told our young people and Brother Stephen, and I think about this, our young people, we don't know what they're being attacked with. We have three juniors in, three juniors in that class, and I asked those young men and young ladies, I think 13 in there today, what do you see in school? How many of you see weekend parties? Every hand goes up. How many of you see your young people involved with marijuana and drugs? Nearly every hand goes up. How many of you, you know that a classmate is sleeping together in a sexual way with somebody and almost all the hands go up? That's what our kids are facing. And you know what will make the difference? If we had some teenagers that had the gumption enough to say, God, not me. I'm going to make this holy vow that this body is yours. You bought and paid for it. I'm going to give it back to you. Just like Hannah gave little Samuel back. I promise you this, I have a, a perfect life, but I promise you this, there were times, even as a, a Christian teenager, that drugs were brought into our Christian school, and the cool kids took advantage of them. And if you want to be one of those cool kids, you're going to smoke what we smoke. You're going to do what we do. And thank God he reminded me of some vows I made when I was a teenager. I can't turn back. That's a sacred promise made to God. I ask you this this morning. You made some vows that you haven't kept. God wrote them down. 